0: This year, the lectionary is taking us on a journey through the life and ministry of Jesus as narrated by the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark is fast-paced and action-packed, and we get that sense from the very first verse. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The beginning of the Gospel, meaning good news, of Jesus Christ, meaning the Messiah, the Son of God, meaning the King of Israel. So, the beginning of the good news of Jesus, the Messiah, the King of Israel. The Gospel of Mark does not beat around the bush. We are one sentence in, a total of eight Greek words, and we're already neck deep in theological claim. You see, this gospel was not written so that we could each make up our own minds as to the identity of Jesus. We're told from the outset. This is the story of God's Messiah and King. This is a brief biography of the anointed Savior the prophets told us about. His appearing did not happen the way we expected. He did some weird stuff, and he said some weird stuff, and by the end of this brief biography... You're going to have some questions. But it's nevertheless true that what I'm about to tell you is the good news of Jesus, the Messiah. We didn't recognize him at first, but it's nevertheless true that Jesus is the Messiah. He was largely rejected by his own people, but it's nevertheless true that Jesus is the Messiah. He did not deliver us from the Roman Empire. But it's nevertheless true that Jesus is the Messiah. He ended up dying a shameful death. But it's nevertheless true that Jesus is the Messiah. And Mark continues in verse 2 by quoting from the prophets. He says, remember what the prophet Malachi said. Remember what the prophet Isaiah said. God will send a messenger to prepare the way for his Messiah. And you will hear the voice of this messenger in the wilderness. And then verse 4. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Gospel of Mark makes it clear that Malachi and Isaiah were talking about John. And who was John? John was the last great Old Covenant prophet. And his calling was to stoke up a sense of anticipation and expectation. And to foster a spirit of national repentance so as to prepare the people of God to receive their Messiah. And the birth of John was foretold by an angel named Gabriel, who said that John would go before the Messiah, quote, in the spirit and power of Elijah. And that's a key detail if we want to understand. Why John is such a weird guy. You see John understands his calling. He knows what Gabriel said, and he knows what it means to walk in the spirit and power of Elijah. So he is intentionally ministering in a way that looks like Elijah and sounds like Elijah and probably smells like Elijah. Why does he minister in the wilderness? Because that's where Elijah ministered. Why does he wear animal skins? Because that's what Elijah wore. Why does he preach a message of repentance? Because that's what Elijah preached. Why does he baptize in the Jordan? Because that's where we last saw Elijah. In fact, the final miracle performed by Elijah was parting the Jordan River So that he and his successor, Elisha, could pass through on dry ground. Elijah ministered in the wilderness, which prepared the way for Elisha, who then ministered in the land. Okay, Bible trivia time. Name one other prophet, name one other prophet who ministered in the wilderness, thus preparing the way for his successor to minister in the land. Moses. Moses led God's people through the wilderness, and then Joshua, his successor, led God's people through the land. And what marked the transition from wilderness to land? Once again, the parting of the Jordan River. The Jordan River parted for Joshua and the Jordan River parted for Elisha. So all of this is in the background as John begins his wilderness ministry. And all of this is in the background when Jesus arrives at the Jordan River to be baptized. Moses decreased so that Joshua could increase. Elijah decreased so that Elisha could increase. And now John must decrease so that Jesus can increase. Again, John's calling was to stoke up a sense of anticipation and expectation and to foster a spirit of national repentance so as to prepare the people of God to receive their Messiah. And baptism in the Jordan River was John's way of doing this. Baptism was John's way of fostering a spirit of national repentance. In essence, he is calling faithful Israelites to exit the land, to exit the land and to enter the wilderness. He is calling them back to where it all began. Why? Well, because the greater Joshua is coming. The greater Elisha is coming. Jesus is coming to lead the people of God out of that wilderness, through the waters, and back into the land of promise. Verse 9. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. So, like Moses and Elijah before him, John prepares the way for Jesus. But this time, The Jordan River does not part. It parted for Joshua. It parted for Elisha. But it does not part for Jesus. What does part? The heavens. Verse 10. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Today, in in keeping with the Christian calendar, millions upon millions of Christian brothers and sisters all around the world are commemorating the baptism of Jesus the Christian calendar invites us to dwell upon the baptism of Jesus every year. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in doing so. You see, the baptism of Jesus was, in one sense, unique. Most baptisms are not accompanied by a visible manifestation of the Holy Spirit and the voice of the Father speaking audibly from heaven. But on the other hand, the baptism of Jesus does serve as a paradigm or a prototype for every other baptism. We learn from the baptism of Jesus the true meaning of our own baptisms. So when we are baptized, we we may not see the heavens being torn open, but we can and we should be sure of the fact that the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon us. When we are baptized... We may not hear the Father speak audibly from heaven, but we can and we should be sure of the fact that He loves us and approves of us. You are my beloved Son. You are my beloved daughter. With you, I am well pleased. If you are a baptized person, this reassurance is always accessible to you. Every moment, Of every day. If you are a baptized person, you don't have to wonder whether you are loved by the Father. He's already told you so. And He tells you as often as you remember that you are a baptized person. And not only that, He retells you each and every Sunday, He retells you by His Word. He retells you in the bread and the wine. He retells you through the love of his people. You are beloved. With you, he is well pleased. I I think knowing this, having this baptismal assurance, is what prepared Jesus to be sent into the wilderness immediately following his baptism. The baptism of Jesus marked the beginning of his ministry. It was there that he was anointed as the Messiah, anointed for a messianic mission. Jesus was preparing to walk a dark and dangerous road through temptation, through abandonment, through apparent failure, through spiritual warfare, through pain and suffering and death. And listen, if if Jesus needed this baptismal assurance... So do we. We definitely do. All true children of God will eventually be called into the wilderness. We will all experience, at some point, temptation, abandonment, failure, spiritual warfare, pain, suffering, and in the end, death. And when we find ourselves there, when we find ourselves in the wilderness, I think if we're honest, it's difficult to be sustained by general and unspecific promises. I think if we're honest, it's tough to be sustained by divine promises made to the people of God as a whole. In order to be sustained through the wilderness, we need personalized Promises. It's not enough to know that God loves his people. In the wilderness, I need to know that God loves me. You need to know that God loves you. And baptism is where we find that personalized promise. You have received the Holy Spirit, and you are a beloved child. With you, God is well pleased. If you ever doubt your own redemption, look no further than your own baptism. Remember that baptism. It was the Word of God spoken to you personally by water and Spirit. Remember that baptism and say to yourself, I am a baptized person, I am beloved. God is well pleased with me. Now, does, does this mean that we place our faith and our trust and our confidence in baptism or in the Lord's Supper, for that matter? Of course not. Newborn babies do not learn to trust in milk. They learn to trust in mom. Likewise, our our confidence is not in the sacraments per se. Our confidence is in the God who washes us with water and who feeds us bread and wine, the God who never leaves us, the God who never forsakes us, the God who speaks to us still, even today. With you, he is well pleased. But what you then do what you then do with that assurance makes all the difference because baptism is only the beginning. At his baptism, Jesus became the Messiah. He became the anointed one. But what made all the difference is what he then did with that. And the same is true for us. Baptism makes us into little messiahs, little anointed ones. That's what the word Christian means. And so the question is, what will we then do with that? Will we take his grace for granted? Will we trample upon his good favor? Will we presume upon his kindness? Or... Will we follow Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, through the wilderness and into glory? Pray with me. Heavenly Father, you, you have not left us without a word. Thank you. We thank you for your love and your favor and your blessing. It is, it, it is undeserved but it's nonetheless real. Jesus, thank you for leading the way. Thank you for identifying yourself with us in baptism. We are humbled to be identified with you. Holy Spirit, fill us. Fill each and every one of us with assurance. Fill us with personalized assurance that we might navigate the wilderness with wisdom and joy